0: okay so every blessing to you all and welcome back to my walking talking pulpit this will be number 10. in fact just before i came out this morning i was uh trying to work out how much time or how long my sermons have come to and i've done uh this will be number 10 like i say i've done nine and including number nine the entire length is just shy of five hours long which is somewhat remarkable really because to walk and talk and record isn't as easy as you might think so glory to god for giving me the idea to do this and also for giving me the legs to do this and the lungs to breathe and keep me moving during my last message i spoke about some of my uh professional disappointments and i can only say hand on my heart uh, god is my witness that i have no grudges i don't uh have any bitterness i am completely at peace with myself amen the lord amen and also those that have wronged me in the past let me say this to you that if you've been wronged if you've been uh the victim or if you are the victim of someone wounding you, attacking you, slandering you, deal with it. Because if you don't, mark my words, not only will you be the main victim, not only will you be the main person to suffer as a result of that, and I'll come back to that in a moment, but if you don't forgive that person who has wronged you, who has hurt you, who has caused you great pain, The scripture says that Christ won't forgive you, your sins, against him. Not concerning your salvation, but concerning your fellowship with him. And that's why many Christians, when they pray, don't get their prayers answered. I remember speaking to an elderly lady some years ago, in a beautiful seaside town, in the north of England, called uh, Lytham St. Anne's, and I tried to give her a tract and she said to me how God never hears her prayers, never answers her prayers, and how she wasn't interested in my tract, and I was somewhat startled to hear that. This woman was in her 80s. Whether she was saved or not, I don't know. Maybe she wasn't saved, hence why her prayers weren't answered. But if she is saved, if she was saved, and her prayers weren't being answered, of course you've got to go back to what i've just said why would that be the case well because there's every chance she has been wronged she's been scarred she's been offended and as a result she hasn't forgiven she has retained the grudge she hasn't forgiven her assailant let me say this to you number one if you are saved and you don't forgive somebody who hurts you you are ultimately the victim you will lose out more than uh, one way meaning this that i've seen many documentaries over the years and i've read many articles over the years and i've heard people that have been victims of all sorts of terrible things and they've lived with that uh, situation for 25 30 35 40 and in some cases 50 years and when they've been able to confront their uh, assailant or the person who has wronged them. Nearly every time that such has been possible and I've been able to watch or I've seen or I've read about it, nearly every single time the victim, after pretty much pouring their heart out to the assailant, to the guilty party, has then been told by the guilty party that they weren't even aware of what had happened. You see, the victim had lived with that pain. The victim had lived with the grief. The victim had lived with that anger for so many years that it not only became a part of who they are, which can result in all sorts of sicknesses, but on top of that it became a way of life. And yet the person who was guilty, the person who had done the wrong, the person who was responsible for such a person's pain and grief and uh, sadness What have you when challenged was oblivious to it and this is why it's imperative if you've been wronged in any way whatsoever to forgive the assailant to forgive the perpetrator because if you don't you are going to be the main victim you will lose out all over again and again what i just said to you go back to christ not forgiving you when it comes to fellowship with him, when it comes to having your prayers answered. This elderly woman, up in years, I put her in her late 80s, was pretty much disconnected, was disillusioned, disgruntled, and as a result, looked somewhat worn down with life. When you get saved, all of your sins are forgiven which is great news but on top of that you have now the mind of christ and that's an interesting thought to consider we know from scripture that when we get saved the triunity father son and holy ghost lives within us which is somewhat difficult to comprehend but of course you weren't told to comprehend it you were told to believe it so you've got the tri living inside you and, as a result, if you yield to the Holy Ghost, if you put the flesh to death, if you walk with the Lord, and I will try and discuss that today, the Christian walk, then you have the mind of Christ, which pretty much allows you to do whatever you want to do when it comes to living right, to serving Him. You are totally in harmony. With the eternal God that's incredible and yet this is what it comes down to number one you've got to live for him you've got to put the flesh down you've got to deny yourself and let me say this to you as a sinner who's been saved for 14 years it is almost impossible to achieve when we go back to the old testament we discover a man called abraham a friend of the lord who. ...was given a promise, and when he believed that promise, it says how he was justified. God's righteousness was put to his account. Now, of course, we know, as New Testament Christians, that the promise... ...came from the person that we believe on, that saves us. And that person, of course, is Jesus Christ. So Abraham believed in a promise from jesus christ which resulted in him being saved and as you read through the book of genesis god says to abraham i'm going to give you a son and uh, he'll come from sarah and by this stage uh, abraham and sarah were up in years Uh, she laughs in her heart sarah doesn't quite comprehend it can't quite grasp it i guess it went over her head and she's challenged and she denies that She's laughed, she denies that, she lacked the faith, a bit like when Adam and Eve were challenged. They also lied and refused to come clean. Nothing new under the sun. And nevertheless, the Lord is faithful and Isaac is later born to Abraham and Sarah. But along the way, faithful, righteous, godly, saved Abraham deviates from the deal he was told to wait he was told that sarah would give him isaac which of course is a model a type of the messiah well he was impatient and like most men was weak like most men listened to his wife more than the lord like adam did with eve and as a result he went in to hagar sarah's servant and She gave birth to Ishmael, and of course if you studied history, you know that Isaac and Ishmael are pictures of Israel and the Arabs. Jacob have I loved, being Israel, Esau being the Arabs, being Islam, have I hated. And that has continued for thousands of years, and it will continue to continue until Christ, the Prince of Peace, comes back. Well, when Abraham was tested, when he tried to live it, when he tried to live the life, he failed. If you look at Noah, it says how he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. A great scripture, a somewhat unusual scripture. He starts off well, and the Lord says to Noah, build an ark. It will take over a hundred years, and you'll be ridiculed as a result of building the ark and Noah says, no problem Lord and he starts to build the ark and his enemies are seeing him build this ark which is a great picture of justification in the sight of men found over in James chapter 2 versus justification in the sight of God found in Romans chapter 4 and old Noah's enemies were watching him mocking him making fun of uh, this big ark this big boat something which was unprecedented in the ancient world and he boards the ark and the floods come and he stays patiently on the boat a great picture of perseverance a great picture of sanctification a great picture of living by faith and after many Days and months, in fact over a year, of sitting on that ark with his sons and his wife, and his sons' wives, and many animals, they are told to leave the ark, which of course they do. And not long, after leaving the ark, Noah, the man who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, Noah, a righteous man, Noah, a godly man, Noah, a saved man, like Abraham, got drunk. And something happened after he got drunk. We're not told exactly what happened, but one of his sons came in, discovered his father being intoxicated and not wearing his clothes. And something happened. And many commentators have speculated as to what has happened. Well, needless to say, Noah comes around from being intoxicated and he knows something has happened. And he chastises he punishes ham who as a result is punished continue through the old testament you come across king david a man after mine own heart and david this great man plucked from obscurity the youngest of jesse's sons a very insignificant character is chosen by the Lord to be the anointed and Samuel is dispatched to David's house and he finds David and he anoints him and David is the first king of Israel and their greatest king of Israel and yet not long after becoming king not long after being anointed good old godly saved righteous David starts to fail He can't live the life. He can't walk with the Lord like he wants to walk with the Lord. He can't live the life that the Lord saved him to live. And he fails with women. He has many women, wives and concubines, and many children from these women, which of course end up fighting each other, plotting against each other, jockeying for positions, wanting to win their father's favor and along the way one of his sons raped one of his sisters and another son decides to take his brother's life because David was too weak to deal with his son's sin as we go through David's life there's an attempt to dethrone him to kick him off the throne that is put down and David returns to his throne but he's never quite the same his kingdom has been weakened and as a result when Solomon takes over he's at a disadvantage and that's why the word of God says how these sins of the fathers can continue to the third and the fourth generation but David like Abraham like Noah was saved and when the Lord saves someone he keeps that person saved you see it comes down to this once Christ has died for the sins of the world once a sinner receives what Christ has done for them Christ's righteousness his sinlessness is imputed to the sinner and therefore when God looks at the sinner instead of seeing you as this filthy, reprobate, awful person, which is what you are, don't pretend you're not, he sees the sinless, eternal Son of God. And when he sees his Son, on the cross, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? He sees you. And that's why the Lord was crying, and in such agony, back in the Garden of Gethsemane. It wasn't because he was going to die a public death, he knew that is what awaited him, he was crying he was in agony because this sinless man was about to be made sin for us and that's what we call substitutionary atonement somewhat of a mouthful but it means simply this that someone has done something for you they paid your debt they've done something that you can't do yourself you see it's like this You've got a property, and you've got this huge mortgage, but you can't keep up with the payments. In fact, it's impossible, and the banks say to you, you've got 30 days to get your house in order, and if you don't, we're going to repossess your house. And you can say, well, if that happened to me, I would write to the bank, or I'd write to my MP, or I'd write to him or her, do this or that, but When it comes down to it, those people can't help you. And if you don't make payments within 30 days, you will, mark my words, be evicted from your home. When you sin against God, only God himself can forgive you. And therefore you must, to be saved, take his pardon. Allow him to pay the debt for you. Receive payments on your behalf. If you don't, you won't be saved. You will... Offend him, and as a result, when you die and stand in his presence, he will judge you right down to any thought, word, and deed. And for many people, that's an awful thought to consider. I guess it's like this if you were to uh, find yourself, say, at a friend's house, or a relative's house, or at a place of work, and someone said, Hey, we've got a dvd of you we've been filming you secretly covertly over the last 30 days and uh, we're going to put it on now have some fun at your expense you would cringe and if you could you'd run to the nearest door you'd want the earth to open up and swallow you in and yet one day for you unsaved people you're going to die 10 out of 10 people die you can't get around it and you will be judged you'll be in the presence of jesus christ you'll be summoned to stand in his presence and he will take a good long hard look at you scripture says how he has eyes like a flame of fire which means this nothing gets past him omniscient eyes penetrating eyes never mind superman when you come to the presence of the lord jesus christ he will see so far into your heart so far into your system that you'll be in such a mess you'll be in total despair and you'll be screaming weeping and wailing begging the lord to forgive you to overlook your crimes not just sins but crimes against him and you'll go into the lake of fire where the word of god says you'll be tormented tortured day and night forever and ever you say why would that be the case because you have a soul which is eternal and every time you sin against the lord you drift further away from him you store up wrath which one day we poured out upon you your soul is eternal because god is eternal and yet here's the bottom line you don't need to perish you don't need to suffer You don't need to die and go to hell. You've got to turn to the Lord to be saved. Some of you people have tried everything else. And I've seen many accounts over the years online, and I've read many articles over the years online of people that have gone from church to church, to church to church, and they are still going from church to church, to church to church, trying to find that something. Trying to find that closure, or that piece of substance, or that level of happiness, or satisfaction, and yet can never reach it. And as a result, they remain lost. So you need to come to the end of yourself. And if you do come to the end of yourself, and you reach out to the Lord to save you, he will save you. Once he saves you, turn from your sins. Quit living for yourself, start living for him it won't be easy it'll be somewhat difficult if not almost impossible and yet if you put the flesh to death if you put time aside to spend with the lord if you are honest with yourself if you confess your faults and sins to him every time you fail him then you remain constant fellowship with him constant unbroken fellowship with him wonderful nothing and no one can get between you and him And you have the perfect peace, which passes all understanding. And you go back to the scriptures, take a look at the greats, saved and kept saved, and yet, because of their failures, because of their weaknesses, because they would live after the flesh, they would uh, deviate from the Lord and from his word. They lost out on many blessings. And uh, like that elderly lady from Lytm St. Anne's, end up not having their prayers answered they feel somewhat disconnected disgruntled and disillusioned but i say this and i will sign out on this thought why put yourself through that why mess around with sin why live after the flesh you enjoy your sin for a brief period of time to then experience a prolonged period of shame it says in book of hebrews how moses decided not to enjoy the pleasures of this world for a season but that he would live for the lord he would be identified with the lord's people and of course you know the rest he is quite possibly the greatest of all the patriarchs you see when you die you are dead a long time and most people are going to live the way they want to live, they will die, as they have lived, and go to hell forever. And those people in hell, don't want them there. Their family of friends, who are in hell, don't want them there. The Lord doesn't want them there. Only Satan wants you there. Only his minions and his uh, fellow fallen angels want you there. And I say this, and I will finish with this, that... If you go to hell you go to hell because you have chosen to go to hell but if you want to go to heaven if you want to have your sins forgiven all you do is turn to the lord jesus christ in faith reach out to him like a beggar would reach out to somebody who's about to give them something and take everlasting life take the payment take the saviour's hand and the moment you do that the word of god says you pass from death unto life no works involved No tithing, no baptism, no church membership, no nothing. It's grace through faith in Christ alone. It's the best deal that you'll ever come into contact with. That's whatever will be offered to you. And yet it continues to be uh, declined. It continues to be uh, dismissed. The scripture, being the Holy Bible, of course, is the most sole book in the world and yet it remains the most unread book of the world tragic and that's another reason why so many christians don't have closure in their lives they don't have the perfect peace they don't have their prayers answered because they won't consecrate themselves to the lord they won't kill the old man they won't live for him they live for themselves and as a result they are they are starving themselves in a spiritual sense they are like an anorexic, and as a result, they will die prematurely, with no rewards, no blessings, no joy. Wait. So this will be number ten. And as always, I'm grateful for your thoughts to this message. And I'll say this also very quickly that abraham is a type of god the father isaac is a type of god the son abraham was prepared to sacrifice isaac but the lord stepped in and said don't do it but god wasn't prepared to spare christ he wasn't prepared to spare his son and they put him on a cross and they tortured him to death for six hours so don't think when you die that somehow he will just overlook your sins your crimes against him he allowed his son to be publicly shamefully tortured put naked on a cross for six hours and as a result it shows that the lord is holy that he won't know his standards for anyone or anything and that's why god remains god that's why he is so holy that's why he won't compromise for anyone or anything, and on top of that, that's why you have to believe in imputation, justification, eternal security. There's no other way for man to be saved, kept saved, and for God, more importantly, to remain God. That's the only way that He can uh, achieve His standards without compromising His standards. He dies in your place, and He says, "If you believe in that, if you believe." what I did for you, if you trust in that, and trust on that, if you receive it, I will save you, and I will keep you saved. Abraham was prepared to pay the price, which is a great picture of faith. That's a great picture of living it, like Noah building an ark. He was prepared to live it. And yet, yes, you can do all things through Christ, which strengthens you. Those two did. And yet, a little later on, That, which I don't want to do, I do, and what I want to do, I don't do. Romans chapter 7, Philippians chapter 3. You get two snapshots. Somebody saved, living it, achieving great things, and yet, within a split second, falling from grace, unable to live it, and, as a result, have lost blessings, have lost peace and joy. Food for thought. I'm out of time, so I wish you a blessing, peace and joy. And I'll speak to you soon. The Lord bless you all, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.